You're listening to the Collective Church Podcast. To learn more about the Collective Church in Portland, Oregon, and Vancouver, Washington, visit us online at thecollectivechurch.com. We're, we're in a series right now on testimony. I'm just going to give you a little heads up. S- some of these people were here last service. Actually, most of them were here last service and shared. And they've got basketball tournament things, so we're going to have them share, and you're going to see them dip out. And it's not because they're embarrassed or they're regretful of sharing their testimony. They just have to leave. <laughs> so in our mini-series about testimony, we, we need to understand that, that our testimony, Revelations chapter 12 says that we overcame, that they overcame the, the accuser of the brethren by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And so what you're about to hear is not, are not just good stories. These are not just, oh, it gave me goosebumps when I heard it. This is spiritual warfare. And listen, when we testify of Jesus, it's the spirit of prophecy. And it declares that if God did it for me, then he can do it for you. So you're going to hear stories all across the boards today. And you're, and you're going to actually hear some details that sometimes we don't hear in testimonies. Sometimes we hear, hey, our marriage was going through a really rough time. God came through and he healed our marriage. Now that's a great testimony, praise God. But sometimes we need to know actually what was going on because people are suffering in isolation and they're not understanding like, (coughs) the enemy has them thinking that that I'm too far gone. How many know what I'm talking about? And before before we we go any further, I want to pray and I want the Holy Spirit just to refocus us right now. Because there's, a, there's a, a spirit of confusion right now and distraction trying to happen. And so, because I tell you what, the enemy hates testimony because it glorifies of the wonders and the goodness and the miracles of Jesus. Amen. So Holy Spirit, we just pray right now, Father, that everyone that needs to hear would hear. <laughs> Father, we pray right now in Jesus' name, we come against every spirit of distraction, every spirit of, of confusion. We just pray, God, that you would speak to our hearts in a special way today. I thank you for the boldness of every person that's testifying today. I thank you that they're prophesying of the goodness of God. They're prophesying to every single person in here. In Jesus' name, everybody said. So, so here's, what I, here's what I would ask. I would ask for you to listen and in, with a spirit of faith. And you would grab a hold of if there's something in a testimony where you're like, that's me. That's me. That, that sounds like me. That sounds like something I'm going through. That sounds like something my kids are going through. That sounds like what some of my friends are going through. Here's what I'm going to ask. Grab a hold of it with faith and say, if he did it for Tiffany, if he did it for Jessica, for Silas, for, for, for Rachel, he can do it for me. Amen? Amen. We're going to have, I'm going to have Jessica go first. Jessica Gentry, y'all. I'm, I'm, I'm switching it up. Making me confused right now. I was going to pull on my husband, but now I'm not. Um, That's okay. Uh, My husband and son are up here. You're going to get to hear their stories as well. But um, what happened, okay, yeah. So what happened is um, I stepped into an adulterous affair with my husband's best friend. Um, Some things led into it. And I'll tell you right now, I grew up where I was like, I will never have an affair. I would never in my life step out on my husband. It's like, it's not who I am. It's not what I would do. 
But what happened is a thin thread of deceit and sin came into my life and I agreed with it and I stepped out in it. And then another thin thread. And from uh, through that, from one small thing to another, I go from, I would never do that. I'm faithful to my husband. I was raised in a Christian home. I'm raising my kids in a Christian home to all of a sudden I just stepped out and I'm having an affair with my husband's best friend and my daughter's uh, best friend's dad. And I got over there and um, I was ready to abandon everything that I had ever committed to and everything that I had ever stood on. And I was ready to get divorced. And I said, I like, I'm done. The, Satan had so deceived me and taken me over there. I had justified it. I felt like I, I had reason to walk away. And what my husband did is he was a man of God and he stepped in and he was, he was Jesus to me. And he said, I will not leave you. And we are going to figure this out and we are going to pick up from where we are and we're going to move forward. And this is not going to be our life. We are not going to be divorced. And so from that moment, the Holy Spirit convicted me and I decided, okay, I'm going to listen to my husband. And we decided between the two of us and our three kids, the five of us, we're going to do life together with Jesus and no one else. And we did not care. We're like, if we have the five of us, then, then we're good. But what happened is that moment of obedience of us locking arms and saying that we're going to do it, God met us right there and he put somebody in our path to kind of walk alongside us and guide us. And then he brought somebody else along our path. But what happened at the beginning was we decided to be secretive and, the, and we decided not to tell people our testimony. And it was like, okay, I'm done with the affair, but we're not going to ever talk about it. It'll be our five our little secret between our family. But when it came out into the open, guys, and God met us with people who could come alongside us and encourage us and say, you're, you're still loved, you're still worthy, you're still of value. You guys, the freedom we experienced as a family and personally, like I... Like, I don't even care what I did because who I am today and the freedom that I experience now, because of the boldness he put in us to say, who cares what people think? This is my story, but this is who I am now. I, that's not me anyways. This is who I am right now. And so through us walking this out, we have been able to not only have I only been able to see freedom in my own life, but we get to see it go from generation to generation. Now we're seeing it in our kids' lives and our grandkids are going to experience freedom because the obedience of us walking out, freedom. Amen. Good job. Wow, that was really good. Um, so prior to that affair that she had had, um, I had brought things in the house. I was raised with a mom that had a lot of fear. I dealt with fear all my life. She had a, a mental illness that um, undiagnosed. We, and, uh, oh, it's hard. Um, it's not hard. Anyways, um, fast forward. We have some kids. Business is about to be lost. A family business that my dad had started 40 years ago. Uh, we're about to lose our dream house. Um, I'm picking pop cans out of our garbages at our business so we could just have pizza at night. Uh, after all the employees left, <clears throat> I started to break and I... Uh, Mixed alcohol with a with prescription drugs, called an employee from work and had a one night stand, which then started that seed. And um, <clears throat> fast forward, uh, Jessica told her story that uh, I had asked that friend who was kind of a spiritual mentor to come in and help a, um, my wife from leaving me. And um, we go through counseling, uh, get healing and. Um, 
things start to get better, then all of a sudden our daughter um, comes to us and tells us she's in a same-sex relationship. Um, and that went on for two years. Um, I had continued to pray for my kids. I wanted my boys to have men that were uh, chasing after Jesus and that they would, uh, because who you're around, I've always been taught who you're around is who you're going to become. Um, we go up to a youth revival. Ellie gets a, turn, does a 180, gets healed. Uh, my boys are getting wrecked. We're getting wrecked. We're going up there, getting baptized in the Holy Spirit. Um, I'm like, what is going on here? Um, then we're like, whatever we can do, we want more of this. And uh, going to every intensive, finally got rid of through a, um, um, what is it called? A marriage retreat up at Crestview, deliverance. I never figured out what that was. I'm coughing up all kinds of stuff, getting rid of things that I don't ever want to be part of again. Now our kids and us got to go on a mission trip uh, this last uh, month. My boys are ministering to ministers, to other children, to adults. My daughter is sharing her testimony, uh, changing was changing that culture down there, and um, just super excited. I'm excited for this family. One thing that I'll leave you with that, that came to me uh, while I was there, and uh, some of you might be struggling with something, and uh, the enemy wants to get in your mind and remind you to, uh, he, he wants you to believe the lies. So this is something you can write down, and I would encourage you to uh, remember it. Um, your, your thoughts lead to your words. Your words lead to your actions. Your actions lead to your character, and you, that can either lead to your destiny or your demise. So it starts with those thoughts, and the enemy wants to attack uh, you and take you and think you're not enough. So just want to remind you of that. Okay, thanks, guys. Okay. I'm Silas. I am their son. I'm 14. Um, I was, I was going to share, honestly, the main part of my testimony, but um, what was brought to my spirit was just friends, and I've had to deal with, like, a lot of stuff with some of my friends, and... Um, when I decided that I wanted Jesus and that I wanted to be free, I had to choose my old friends or I had to choose Jesus. And I chose Jesus because I was like, I don't care if I lose it all. If I lose my family, if I lose my church, if I lose, if I lose it all, I still have Jesus. I still have the one thing and I can remain, I can remain in him. And, um, now that I chose Jesus, I have Madden, I have Asa, I have all of these wonderful friends surrounding me that I could never even dream of having. And um, it's hard because I'm seeing my old friends, they're successful and that was supposed to be us. We were like, I went to a football game and my friend who's a freshman is now starting on varsity and I was like that that should be us but I chose Jesus and I I still love him but it's hard because he's he's turned his back on me and he um 
he's turned his back on me. And even though all that we've been through, it was supposed to be us. It was supposed to be us out there having fun. But now I have, I have Madden, I have Asa, I have Junior, all of these kids that are just pouring into me. And I don't, I don't have to be the leader of the group at all times. I have Jeremy who's pouring into me and I have, I have a man, I have a man of God that can just show me how to mix God and basketball and football together and how I can lead, how I can lead. Like recently, I'm on a football team. I honestly do not like football. I I don't know. I don't know. I just don't like football. And I just had to see the bigger bigger picture that it's bigger than football. Like these kids are in my community and they're stuck in this spirit of religion and they don't know like they, they don't know the true Holy Spirit. They don't know God. They know who he is. They don't know him. So I just have to honestly die to self. And um it's it's been a lot of pain and just like even with like my new friends just like do they even like me just all of these like lies from the enemy and he's really just like brought that to light and just like redeemed me through that and um just really quick um I'm gonna go to my old part it'll be like 10 seconds uh so I was when I was two uh in second grade I was introduced to pornography from one of my best friends um and then I was, I was fine for like two, three years, four years, something like that. And I, I got curious, started watching pornography for around two years. And then at a, a youth camp, I went to Ben and Ben um, prayed with me and I was like, I'm set free, but I did not walk that out correctly. And then a couple months later, I'm stuck in that pornography addiction once again. And then um, I was fasting before this most recent youth camp, and I just felt my spirit tug. I'm like, I'm a leader in this church, but I I can't share this because I'm a leader. I'm a youth leader. Like I'm not supposed to be dealing with this, but it's God was like, it's okay. Like just go. And then uh, altar call. I'm just feel like tugs to go to Jeremy and just confess it all and just be like, I don't want this anymore. I'm laying this down. I don't like I once again, I don't care if I lose everything. I don't care if I lose everything because I have freedom. I have freedom and that's all I need. I just need to be free and I want to go to heaven. I I want him. I want Jesus. And I I don't I don't want to deal with that. So there we go. Hi, my name is Dave Bontrager. I gave my heart to Jesus when I was 12 years of old, 12 years old, got it, back in 1980. And may God not judge you if you figure out my age. <clears throat> it's okay. I was born and raised in a very traditional Mennonite home. And I rem- remember when I was saved, I was so on fire for God, and just so full of joy. But... Without going too far into my background, in my church, we had page after page after page of, we called them standards. And my focus soon turned to that. And that's what I had to, you know, that's where my bent was, just to make sure I was measuring up. Well, I was a a kid with a very sensitive conscience. And unfortunately, that became a seedbed for the spirits of fear and religion to begin to wreck me and not, not in the good sense either. And so throughout my youth, I lived a a life of torment. Um, So 
some of you who gave your testimonies last uh, service, I found out I'm not the only one that, that dealt with that. But So that's the way I grew up. I, unfortunately, I lived salvation out of my soul. My soul was in charge. And how many know that that is a teeter-totter, a seesaw, no way, no way to serve Jesus? So I'm going to have to leave out a bunch of details, but <clears throat> 2020 rolls around. In the meantime, I get married, and we have six awesome kids. And I... <laughs> We heard about this company called Advocare, so we looked into that, became dealers, but didn't really take it much of anywhere, but loved the product. And then we heard that they, they have this church, and then there's this thing called Her Voice. So I reluctantly let my wife um, go to those. <laughs> and I began to see a change in her, and I would catch her on the couch listening into some of your Facebook live services, and I'd kind of cruise by, and next thing I knew, I was sitting down, and I was watching, so I wow, that's pretty neat. And there was stuff landing in my spirit even then, some truth that I needed to hear. But what's funny is you also recorded your worship sessions. And man, you folks just lost it in worship. <laughs> and that was kind of a stumbling block to me, just like, what is going on? But, but I loved what I was hearing. So my wife invites me to something called Drenched, and only this time the guys are allowed to go. I didn't want to go. I went anyway. And as God would have it, a month later, there was going to be another one. And I remember thinking, oh, so soon? And this one was going to be at Drench, and it was a several-day affair. So I thought, okay, I'll go to please my wife, as every good husband should. And I went there and didn't want to go there. But how many of you know that God can still find you and get a hold of you in those situations? I didn't know what was about to hit me. Andrew, I remember I sat right beside you. <laughs> Anyway, I ended up getting baptized in the Spirit while I was there. And man, ever since then, I've come to realize I'm not afraid anymore. And the spirit of religion is, is gone. I've got to leave some stuff out, but thank God I'm not the guy I used to be. And the things I am dreaming of doing and not afraid to do anymore, you know, I, I kind of feel like a little kid um, and able to dream again. So thank you, Jesus. Another interesting thing, um, you're in a good place. You're in a truly, you're truly in a safe space um, because right here is where a lot of those things fell off me and left me. So, and the funny, the cool thing is, it's amazing to feel your soul swing into alignment with what God has done in your spirit. That will even affect your body. And I have found myself sometimes leaving, you know, going out the door after the service, wanting to sprint for the car. Does that make any sense? And it's not to escape. It's just I'm so happy and I'm getting, I'm getting freed. So thank you. Oh, thank you. Yeah, the enemy loves to steal your joy, and that's that's what the enemy did when I was when I was a traditional Mennonite. I'll just put that out there. I don't want you to hate Mennonites. Um, there were a lot of good things I learned, but I was a Christian that needed to be taken to Jesus. That sounds weird, but my my joy was just stolen. And I would read verses like, "The joy of the Lord is is my strength," and man, it wasn't working for me. It just wasn't. But we eventually had to step out of that environment into one like this, one I would, five years ago, you couldn't have paid me a million bucks to step inside this, this place. Now here I am, and, and I've, I've got the joy. So. 
I think Dave should do announcements with Rachel. Don't you think so? Okay. I vote you in. Hey, I was a Christian that needed to meet Jesus too. I am going to let you know though, I'm 50 and I feel like right now I'm like the most alive and aware and living in my full identity. And it, I don't think it's a coincidence that it happens at 50, but gosh, if I could look back at my 20 year old self, what was the, the, the part of the song was, oh, the miracles we will see are too good to not believe. I don't think my 20-year-old self would even believe the life that God has brought me to now. And it was through the crushing and the pressing, like the other song says, but I just want to take you back a little bit that I was raised in Southern California, um, and my accuser was uh, something called the Jezebel spirit. Um, generations of it, now I recognize it through all that um, the Holy Spirit has revealed to me upon uh, being part of this collective family. The Jezebel spirit, if you don't know, is um, is a spirit of the devil that comes after w women, but also men, but it's um, manipulation, it's all about appearance, comparison, um, pridefulness, um, self-seeking behavior. And um, I was raised in that unknowing. Um, to get away from that a little bit growing up, I would spend a lot of time at church. So I did know God and I did know Jesus. It was later in life that I had this thought. It was not that long ago. Um, I think it might've been in the middle of my 16 year um, abusive marriage that I was like, I know about God and I know about Jesus, but what about the Holy Spirit? And God heard that prayer. I didn't ever really know even to bring it to prayer. And so it was no coincidence that Cynthia invited me, Ben invited me to this church. And we were in home church then. And it has been such a blessing because the Jezebel spirit raising up in that um, creates a great deal of confusion in Southern California, you can only imagine. Um, and so after high school, was probably one of the hardest seasons of my life because I was not rooted in a strong identity. And I recognize now I'm raising four kids as a single mom, one with significant disability, they're teenagers, and we are chain breakers in our family. Yeah. <laughs> they are going to be graduating high school strong in their identity, thanks to the Holy Spirit and the help of the people that have been put in place in front of our family, their testimonies, they've gotten wrecked. You want your kids at Revival. Um, and if all that I've been through is just for them, it's been worth it. But I have to go back again because that season after high school, so wandering, so lost, so alone, that Jezebel is just not my friend. So I'm like confused, right? And then I go to college and then the season after college, it's even worse. And that leads to me going out and basically finding two, two different, not at the same time, marriages that were abusive. The good that comes out of all of it, though, is standing before you, is sitting in the seats, and we redeem it all. And I also have to say, parallel to all of this, seeking God, trying to get Jezebel off my back, was the comfort of food. That was my addiction. That brought me comfort. I'm a feeler. That's the way God made me. I'm just realizing that's actually a gift. But all my life, I've been trying to stuff it, and all these feelings are too much, so I would go to food. I actually was morbidly obese. You, you may not even recognize me, but there's been freedom in that, and that is not something that's just kind of broken off. But what I see is that that has kept me dependent on God and relying on God, and it, you guys, 
through that, I have now got marketplace ministry where I coach others in health. And that has provided for my family as a single mom with no support. And so he has taken my biggest thorn that I've had to use through my life to cope, which wasn't him, and actually made it a source for me to provide and protect my family. So all glory to God. If you only knew the whole story, that's two and a half minutes. Well, it was supposed to be two and a half. It was a little longer. Um, what just the way the way God sent sent people into her life, and and I mean, some someday we'll tell the whole story. But but um, this woman is just a walking miracle. Seriously, a walking trophy of the grace of God. And walked into her home. How, how many years ago was that? Four years ago. Three years ago? It seems like yesterday. 20 years ago? I can't remember. And, and right before COVID. So. Right before COVID. And it was, it was to see the atmosphere of their home and to take authority over the atmosphere yes. of their home um, and to see where they're at now and her amazing kids serving Jesus. Like, friends, you, you, don't, you don't even understand. You don't, this is a different person that stands before you today. And uh, Shannon, we love you and we believe in you. And we're just, just amazing what God has done. Yes. It's the authority. That's the biggest, the confidence that I've had to, I still step out. It's, it's recognizing and thanks to, to y'all teaching here. I have been given the authority over my life. That includes my mind. That includes my family and the Holy Spirit is blessing that. And that's where my power comes. So we can do hard things. Amen. 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 DK, take it away. DK. I'll leave it at that. Okay. Um, I grew up in a home that was extremely full of uh, religion. We went to church every Sunday. We did the whole thing that, like, they had me, you know, six years old in a three-piece suit, that whole number, um, my whole life. But at home, it was screaming matches. It was verbal abuse. It was violence. It was just, it was absolute chaos. And the two just were, it, it made, even as a kid, it just, it made no sense. We'd go to church and it was this one thing and then we'd come home and it was vastly, vastly different. Um, and it just progressively got worse and worse and worse. And what ended up happening is around 13 years old, uh, my dad checked out entirely. He was being unfaithful to my mom. Um, he was being, he wanted nothing to do with us kids. He, he was just, he was out. And so there needed to be a father figure to step into that role to take care of my younger siblings. And so I stepped into that role with absolutely no guidance, with no leadership, with no example to follow at all. Um, and I didn't know what to do. And so I heavily, heavily, heavily went down and started searching for anything, right, to take away the pain of that thing. And so um, I started using heroin when I was 13, started drinking um, every single day as much as I could. When that wasn't enough, I started using prescription drugs. I would go into, you know, I'd be in the, um, in the bathroom at school, just crushing oxy and everything else I could possibly find it to put into my body to make myself numb, to escape the fact that I just had no hope. And I wanted so badly, like I'm telling you the rage that was inside of me, I would look for fights. I was trying to figure out, <clears throat> Okay. Never shared this part. I was trying to figure out ways. Um, and I was trying to learn how I could kill people and, and get away with, with murder because it was the only thing I could figure out to release all this anger that was pent up in my body. Um, 
was trying to figure out how I could do that and how I could kill myself. And, and I really just wanted to take as many people down into this misery pit with me as I could. And, um, I just was, it was the, you know, I mean, everything that you can get addicted to, I was, I was, I was in it. I was going two feet in as far and as fast as I could go to see if the next thing would, would, would numb, numb me out. You know what I mean? I mean, pornography, drugs, alcohol, like I, there's the, the list. I mean, I was stealing things. I was skipping school. I was trying to find everything and anything to get to the next, like to chase that next high of the next thing. And, um, I am a direct product parents, adults. I'm a direct product of get in the room because someone invited my sister to a youth church and I was forced to go because I was her ride and I would go sit outside and I would look for people to fight and I would wait to jump people outside the church building. And then finally, one day, that guy right there invited me into the building where I met my best friends. And Jesus caught, he caught me because even at the time I was still, I was showing up, I was doing, I was volunteering. And even still, I got to the point where I could, okay, I went to a party, got absolutely obliterated as far as I could go. And I said, I can finally die. It'd be so much easier if I did. And the Holy Spirit said, you can or you don't. And I, and I said, okay, fine, I don't, but I can't do this anymore. Okay, I'm done. Okay, um, I'll, I'll finish really quick. Uh, and I went home from that party, and the Lord took physically, miraculously took that addiction from me. Now, what that looked like for me, I had to go through the withdrawal process, and I had to experience all of that stuff leaving my body, and I had to walk out my healing in the process of renewing my mind, not wanting to kill people, not flying off the handle at the most ridiculous thing possible, not looking for reasons and ways to screw up somebody else's life just because mine wasn't the way that it should have been. Okay. And I got in the room. I stayed in the room, right? That I will never, ever, ever, ever forget. All he did was open his, the door and stick his head out and go, Hey, you guys should come inside. My friends are waiting outside to jump a kid. It was just like mind blowing to me now. But he invited us inside. And I literally, I met two of my best friends and my life has, has never, I met my wife there. You know, we have, we have a beautiful son, um, completely redeemed my family, completely redeemed my entire life. So I'm telling you, if you need something, you need to get in the room. If you have kids that need something, you need to get them in the room. They may not like it. They may fight you the whole way, but you get them in the room because if you at least get them in the room, the Holy Spirit's going to come after them. He's coming after them now. And that's how he's going to get them. You get them in the room and you get in the room. There it is. Um, my whole life, the enemy tried to, um, destroy me with the spirit of rejection. Just so you know, I'm going to tell a totally different, like the Holy Spirit is tailoring this service to you. We are not just regurgitating what we did last service. I just feel like someone needs to know we're not just robotically like telling our testimonies again, like we did an hour ago. Right. Yeah. So this is different. This is awesome. The enemy has been trying to take me out with the spirit of rejection for my whole life. And what that ended up looking like, because I only have two minutes, so we're going to fast forward, <laughs> um, is when I was 18, I ended up in a same-sex relationship with my best friend from high school. And um, 
I was raised in the church. I was a good Christian girl. Um, I was a leader. And I found myself stuck in this cycle of um, wanting to do what I wanted to do and wanting to live for Jesus and trying to straddle two worlds and not knowing how to um, make peace with that because there wasn't any. Because I had one foot in with Jesus and I had one foot in the world and I couldn't figure out there would be nights I would say, this must just be what I'm going to have to do. I'm going to have to come out and we should just get married, like all the things because I don't know how to get out. So I guess this is my life now. And um, praise God, that girl moved. Um, I went to the darkest time of my life. I was in Bible college getting a ministry degree, and yet I would want to kill myself on the way home. I would hear that the enemy say, you should just drive off this overpass right now. No one cares. It's fine. They'll all be fine. Be better off dead. Because I had this turmoil inside of me because I had opened the door and I was still trying to straddle these two lives because no one knew the secrets that I was hanging on to. I end up moving up here to Portland and I, I decide I'm going to recreate my life and yes, I can leave that behind and just forget that ever happened and pretend it didn't. And um, several years into being here, I find myself now addicted to pornography. I find myself back in depression, back in panic attacks, anxiety. Why? Because the spirit of rejection was the root of what was going on in my life. And I went back to here I am depressed and I want to die and all these things, right? And it was not until I had a moment in this building, just like everyone's talking about. I mean, amazing. God's blowing my little brain. Right over there where the Holy Spirit compelled me to go forward for prayer. And Kelly Atwood, thank, thank you. I love you. But she didn't ask me what I, what I was up there for, and I'm glad she didn't because the Holy Spirit told her pornography. And she leaned in my ear and she said, pornography, you have to go in Jesus' name. And I got to make a choice that day whether I wanted to keep trying to straddle two worlds and live a lie and be miserable, and I had to come clean with myself. I'm miserable. Or if I wanted to go all in with Jesus and say, you know what? I don't care if it costs me friends. I don't care if my parents never want to talk to me again because I'm just an, a sexual addict. Like, I don't care if I lose ministry positions and I can't do what I feel like God has called me to do because I, I can't live like this another day. And I want to be free. And you know what? I said yes that day, and God has, has taken me on this journey, just like you, of walking it out, of renewing my mind, of having to shed old friendships that, um, that I, I couldn't have ever done on my own. And that was the thing. Silas said something last service, and he talked about, um, he's, he was trying to get out of pornography in his own willpower. And what I had done for my whole life was try to fix stuff on my own, in my own willpower, because I didn't want anyone else to know. So I thought I just could fix it myself and move on with my life. But that day I decided I cannot fix this myself. All this has done is make it worse. And I've got to come clean. And I came clean. And I'm so grateful I did. And I just want to say, I know, I know, I'm done. I just want to say, I feel like 
God called me to ministry before all of that happened, but what he's doing now is I am telling you that the spirit of confusion and deception and the spirit that runs rampant in the LGBTQ community is going to be dismantled in this city in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. If you or someone you're dealing, you know, you or someone you know is dealing with this right now, I want you to raise your hand. Just you or someone you know, it doesn't matter. Okay, in Jesus' name, I, I take authority and break off the spirit of confusion over those people right now in Jesus' name. Deception, the veil of deception, God, I ask right now that you would tear the veil of deception off of this community in the name of Jesus. I thank you, God, that truth is coming back to schools. I thank you that teachers are going to start standing up and saying that's not who you are, that they would risk their jobs, that they would risk their dignity to tell the truth to these kids in these schools. I thank you, God, that you are sending us. You're sending us to tell the truth. You're sending us to tell the truth. And I thank you that we would have a holy boldness that would come over us, that I, I am not the only one that would stand here and say, we're dismantling the spirit in Jesus' name, that we would come together as a community and we would say, enough is enough of the enemy taking out our kids and taking out even adults and confusing them to the point where they don't even know what gender they are. This is ridiculous. Are we becoming, I'm sorry, it's fine. Are we becoming numb? Are, have we become numb? I just have a question. Are we numb to what's going on? We have to wake up. The enemy is, is just taking out kids over and over and over. And I am done with it. And I want to know if anyone else is behind me because I'm sick of it. And I will not let, I will not let the enemy do to other people what he did to me. Now listen, if this is your story and you're in this room today, it is time for you to start using your voice because I am not the only one. Ellie's not the only one. There are so many of us who are Christians sitting in churches who have this testimony, who are afraid. And I just declare right now, the spirit of fear will be broken off of you in Jesus' name. It is time to stand up and, and no matter what it costs us to tell our story and to tell the truth, somebody's life is depending on it. Ellie Gentry told me that if she had picked up, she just told me this last week. She said if some, she heard another pastor who was basically just affirming and like just garbage, just it's not even real, just lies. And she said, if I had picked up his book, I might be dead. But instead, she walked into a chapel and the Holy Spirit said, Rachel's going to tell her story. And in five minutes, I told my story and Ellie is free and she's not just free. She's taking the spirit out. So it's time to stand up in Jesus' name. I'll be done. Yeah. October 17th, 12 years ago, was the day that I was awakened to the spiritual battle that Rachel's talking about. And I think that's what it is right now that we're talking about. It's like, we're Christians, but... We're just, you know, which is amazing. Jesus paid the price for us, but the full gospel is that he will set you free too and that you are called to walk in the authority that he's given you, amen? And so what happened for me is that when I was a young kid, 
I would go through these waves of just this darkness would come over me, this depression, but really it was self-hate. It was rejection. It was, I mean, many things that have been shared. It's like, yes, me too, me too. Because once the enemy gets an inch, then he, you know what I mean? It's more and more and more. So I can go through the same sex relationship. I can go through the addiction with food. I can go through the, I mean, literally the list can go on, but the part of my testimony that I'm going to share is that I was overcome with this darkness. And so by eighth grade, by Silas's age, my parents who loved Jesus, I would go to church on, on holidays, all that stuff, but I didn't know the real battle that we were in, brought me to a counselor, which you see all across the nation right now. Bring them to a counselor. Counselor, what's going on? Why is she so depressed, right? Got put on medication. Then a couple of years would go on, this, this spirit of suicide and, and death and because of rejection and seeking men and drinking on top of the, these medications, I, I would go, began seeing psychiatrists, got put on even more medications. These medications make you like, uh, like literally zombied out because it zaps your emotion. It, it, it just it literally kills all the chemicals. So you just like, uh, praise Jesus. I mean, that's how you feel because you're just numbed out. And so what happened was I, 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 ended, I was married early on, got divorced and found myself in the very back of a church. And I would go to church and, and I would come home from church and call my mom and say, mom, this darkness just comes over, takes me even more. And they, this church was a great church. They loved Jesus. And I was beginning to pursue the love of Jesus. He was pursuing me and it was amazing. But I was still, all these labels that all those psychiatrists and counselors had put on me, I was still carrying that backpack. Love Jesus, but I was also bipolar. I was also depressed. I was also diagnosed with spirit of anxiety. I, you know what I mean? I still had all these things. So what happened was, I ended up making Jesus Lord of my life, but a couple months later, I was online, and this is the first date, what I was talking about, October 17th, I don't know where my husband went, um, October 17th, he looked across from the table from me, because we're on our first date, and I'm like, just so you know, full meal deal, I have bipolar, I have struggled with mental torment, I've been diagnosed with da 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 you know, just telling him full meal deal, because you either take it or leave it at this point, right? I'm not about to, it's like, this is who I, this is who I am, but I love Jesus. I'm a new believer. I'm getting baptized next week. And it was like, you know what I mean? I remember telling him all this stuff. And praise God, he looked across the table from me and he said, the enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy. But God has come to give you life and life abundantly. He began telling me about deliverance, awakening my spiritual eyes to the real battle that we were in. I no longer had to seek psychiatry. I mean, all these other things. I would seek tarot card readers, new life. I mean, all the things because I wanted healed. I was desperate for healing. And so when I found this truth, my spirit was like, yes, that's my answer. And about a week later, I got radically delivered. The demons that had tolerated got cast out. Yes, praise God. And I have not been on medication for 12 years, for 12 years. And so that was just the beginning though. Yes, praise God. Because he, if he did it for me, he'll do it for you. He does it. It's the children's bread. He will do it for every single one of his sons and daughters. But we have to want it. We have to first be awakened to it. Yes, that is, that's my bread. That's my life. That's, I can have that freedom, right? And then we have to walk it out. And so that's really where my journey began was walking it out. Because I got radically set free. But for 30 years, I had lived with these labels, right? And so then I was like, who am I? I know I love Jesus. I know I'm a child of God, but who am I? And so I had to begin getting in the word and it wasn't a religious duty. It was declaring every day who I was in Christ because it set into the atmosphere who I was. And you know what it did? It made me, made me know my authority that now when I walk in the room, 
I carry a breaker's anointing. And so I take authority when I walk in the room, but it came from getting in the word and finding out who I was in Christ and knowing that when the Bible says that the old things have passed away and the new things have come, when something would creep up, it's like, uh-uh, that's part of my old nature. Uh-uh. And I can feel the heaviness. I'm done. Two more seconds. I can feel the heaviness that came on this nation two years ago. And so there is a, um, I can feel it because I've experienced in the past, and now I can feel it on a national level. And it's like there is just this weightiness that wants to get just all of us. So, so I'm having to refight the battle that I fought before because I can feel it. Because I know that spirit. I know when that thing comes that it wants to get you so down and out. That it's like a, it's a heaviness spirit of death. It wants you hopeless in all situations. So wake up. Wake up. First thing is acknowledging it and recognizing what it is and then walking in your authority. Amen. Man, I just want to like, just want to run around, fired up up here. Um, okay. So my name's Tiffany and, uh, I think the biggest thing for y'all to know is just number one, the enemy is real. The enemy's plans are as real as God's plans are for your life. And when Janelle talks about John 10, 10, what I always see is I see two paths. I see the path of kill, steal, and destroy. And the path that the enemy wants to take us on and have us walk down. And we can't try, we can't figure out why we're trying to, you know, we're, we're partnering with kill, steal, and destroy down this path, down the enemy's way. And then there's the path of life and life abundantly. And then there's straddling the line, Right. Someone said that up here. Do you know that this place right here is where you get your tail kicked? Okay, torment upon torment upon torment because you're either you're either moving one way and you know the enemy's like, yeah, I got him, or you're moving the other way. But when you're right here, like you're getting pummeled. It's like it's time to cross over the line and go into life and life abundantly. And so I had to make that decision. Um, I found myself. Just, and you guys know like one part of my story, but a lot of you don't know the whole story. And so, um, I found myself as a successful entrepreneur. I was, I was, um, our business was exploding. I was, you know, our family was beautiful. We had a beautiful home, the cars, the boat, all the things we had the life of our dreams. And because I was starting to walk hand in hand in life and life abundantly walk with Jesus, like I was, I was starting to get tormented. All my past stuff was chasing me down that whole time. And so I came to a point where I couldn't handle life anymore. I couldn't handle my anger, my, my rage. I would, you know, Jeremy would look at me the wrong way and I turn into a different person. I would have been bi diagnosed with bipolar hands down, hands down. I would have had that medication, but Jeremy just, he protected me. He covered me. He prayed for me. He said, this is not my wife. I am not a battle with flesh and blood. I know you're ramming the car into the garage. I know you're speeding down the street. I know you're punching walls, but you, that is not my wife. My wife is a wife of life and life abundantly. And so he spoke life over me. He prayed for me and you know, he was a turd too. Okay. I'm not going to give him all the credit. Like, you know, he, he's got his problems, but, um, we all do. But he literally warred on my behalf to where we came to the point where um, I finally asked someone for prayer. And it was, my, it was my good friend, Jenny Donnelly. We were in her house and I just said, I'm dealing with massive torment and no one knows. Not one person knows the angry side of Tiffany. 
And I said, will you help me? And they prayed for me. They cast out demons. They, you know, I got my prayer language. Like they went to town. And I don't know if you've ever been a part of community that will go to war for you. But I'm telling you, if you need help, you're in a family right now that will absolutely kick the devil's butt for you. Everything that we got, they put all of it on the table and they did not care, but they knew I was going to walk out free. And so that moment forward, I started walking in freedom. The Lord took me back to where he showed me where it all began. And it was a moment in seventh grade where I was bullied and it was just a little small thing. And that's where the enemy got his hook in. And then I walked this path. I walked this path of kill, still and destroy. I ended up, um, having an abortion at 15. I mean, terrible. And that, that followed me, that chased me down until I was 36 years old. The torment of death and destruction on my life. I can't tell you the amount of times that I wanted to kill myself, that I, that I, I mean, all the thoughts that everyone said, like that is real. If you're having suicidal thoughts, it's not because like, oh, you're, you're the most depressed person in here. No, it's because the enemy wants to kill, steal and destroy you. Every day of your life, you have an enemy after you. And until we start realizing that the enemy is not playing fair, he doesn't care how great you did at church or how many times you went through deliverance or how many Bible stories you know, he doesn't care. He doesn't play fair. He is going to chase after you. And so you got to start running on this path. You got to start running after the goodness of God. And I'm telling you, when you do that and you get off of the fence and you get out of mediocre Christianity, you get out of apathy, you get out of tiredness, you get out of not wanting to come to church, because, you know, when you get out of that, you start running his race, and I'm telling you, the things that he will heal you from is mind-boggling, but if you don't accept healing, and you don't walk this stuff out, it will chase after you your whole life, so you might be 70 years old right now, I meet women all the time, 70 years old, never told anyone about the abortion and they cannot feel, figure out why they're tormented all the time. And so today is a day that you can get the secrets out. You can get what's tormenting you inside, get it out to the outside. And I always say it's much easier to fight something that's on the outside than to try to fight yourself every day. Some of you are in a battle with yourself. Okay. So we got to get that thing out and then we got to go, Oh, there you are again. Boom with Jesus's name. Okay. All right. Amen. And last, are you enjoying this? Are you grabbing a hold of this? She just, she just mic drops and she's, I, I, we know, we know. Good job, Tiff. <laughs> Hope they win. It's not everything. Um, last but not least, Brent Colella, everybody. Um, we love this guy so much. And uh, I, think, I think this is really going to bless you just to hear about what God has done in this last 11 months, 10 months, so, yeah. Yeah. two years, three, uh, whatever. Six, six years. I'm kidding. Hi. Um, if, you, if, if you know me, I'm, my name is Brent. If you know me, you know me. If you don't, you know, I'm one of the worship pastors here. Um, at this amazing church. I literally thought angels were landing. That was going to happen. I was like, this is it. I'm out. Um, we did it. We made it. Rapture. Yes. All those Kirk Cameron movies. Um, 
<laughs> he was wrong. Um, it was before. All right, get back to it, Brant. Anyways, I'm just here. It's really hard. I'm a really private dude, super private. Like, I don't like sharing nothing. I don't want anyone to know I'm a human. You understand where I'm coming from? Like, once people know who you are and what you've gone through, all of a sudden they might look differently at you or you're weak or whatever, and I don't believe that anymore. Transparency is the hand that reaches down and helps someone else up. So things are drastically different than they were 10 months ago for me. Um, and I'm a completely different man today. 10 months ago, I found myself, I was working. I was working, I was working, I was working. I had to keep everything together. I was doing it all myself. I was the guy, I was taking care of my mom, I was taking care of my businesses, take care of the church, you name it. Never took care of myself. And I always would take things, stick it back in the trunk. Take things, stick it back in the trunk. Take things, stick it back in the trunk. And one day I was going a thousand miles an hour an analogy and I just smashed into a wall. I didn't even know I was in an accident. You feel me? It took somebody else to go, Brant, I think, I think you're in an accident, man. Are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Let's go. It's good. I'm good. Let's go. A thousand miles an hour. Let's roll. And, 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 and there, and it took people that dearly love me to say, um, I, I think you need to rest, man. And we joke about it, but they're like, Brant, you're the dude that's worked for 20 plus years and never took a break. And that's very true. It's very true. Um, but when I went home to rest, I went on a sabbatical. Um, when I went home to rest, that's when it all began. You see, um, I, 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 it's like I got in a boxing match with the devil as soon as I got home. He came at me with a few things. One of those things was, you're not loved, you're not worth it, you're forgotten, you're old, good night. Okay, I'm a, I'm a pastor, I'm a happy guy, I love Jesus, but I started to believe it. See, he works, the, the, this life works with ours and aren'ts. The Lord tells you who you are, the devil and the enemy tells you who you aren't. This whole time I kept hearing aren't, aren't, aren't. He told me, you aren't going to see your promises. You aren't going to get those prophetic words. What a joke. What have you done with them the last 10 years, Brian? If you want me to be honest with you, you aren't going to get that. You aren't a man of God. You aren't a worshiper. You're not a real pastor. You express completely different than Bob does and Ben does and everybody. You're just different. So guess what? You do it wrong. So you're disqualified. You're not allowed to walk into a place like that and see someone love Jesus and get closer. You're not allowed to do that. And I let it hammer me. And the last thing he said was, you know, you're not going to see those things happen. All the things that were promised you, you ain't going to get them. See, I got in this boxing match and I was like, all right, let's fight. I'm a New Yorker. Let's get it in, right? You know what I mean? Like just North Side kid. Let's just fight, 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 fight. That's the old me. But here I am. I'm in this boxing fight and I'm the champ. I don't lose. I'm brand, I'm, a, I'm a champ, right? I'm the champion. I don't lose. I get in there and I start swinging and I'm poof, out. First round, one punch on the ground. I've never gone down the first round. I've never gone down in the first fight, first punch. And here's the thing. I didn't realize I was bleeding out. I got in that accident and I was like, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. But what it did, it brought up all the things that I was keeping hit, like not hidden, but away from me. Things I didn't face, things that I didn't recognize happened to me. The enemy started to use, you know, the things I struggled with my whole life was severe mental illness. 
started bringing all that back. Started telling me all the things that I'm not. And if I'm being honest with you, I didn't want to live anymore. Yeah, I was home resting. I told you all the truth. (laughs) That's what I was doing. I was taking care of my mom. Sits in that chair, man. That's all I've ever fought for. But the enemy said, I'm going to get this dude. I'm going to get him. He started telling me again, you're not worth it. You're not a real man of God. You'll never see those promises. My businesses felt like they were crumbling. My life, my, my giftings, who I was, my mother, everything was deteriorating around me. And I was like, you know what? I don't want to die. But if I don't wake up tomorrow, I'm pretty good with it. I don't throw stuff around like that. People go, I had a bad day. I'm going to jump off a bridge. That's not what we're talking about. Talk about people growing through some real stuff. It got dark and I had no hope. It was the first time in my life, besides when my father died and I knew I couldn't save his life, that I felt I had zero hope and zero chance at this thing. And there I sat and the enemy just, boom, boom, just hammering me while I was on the ground, man. I had nothing. And people didn't even realize the words that you're sending me. You didn't even know what I was going through. But God kept me in his hands. And sure enough, taking a beating, but God rescued me. God showed up in the form of people and leadership at this church and my family that dearly loved me. And they swooped in instead of telling me who I am, who I am, who I am, who I am. Then they put me on a raft and they kicked me out to the middle of the ocean. That's what it felt like. (laughs) In other words, they knew what I needed. I was mad. I did not want to go to this next spot. I did not want to do this. I felt like I got this. I can handle this. But they knew. God knew. I had to do something super uncomfortable to finally go, oh, there's Brant. And when I reached that little island in the middle of this ocean, there's people there. And the word that I got, the first one was I met this woman and she prayed over me and I felt all the depression. And I felt all of that absolute weight that I carried for years lift off of me. I felt like I could, now I was clear, I could see some things. I wasn't back yet. I still suffer with some stuff, but I could see again. And then the next person said these words. He said, this verse said, I am in him. He is in me. We are one. And all of a sudden, all those feelings of unworthiness, all the feelings of me feeling disqualified because I express how I express or I look how I look, whatever it may be in my own head. God was like, if you were in me, you are there. You are in me. So who you are is exactly who I made you to be. So when I speak how I speak, it's filtered through the Holy Spirit. It's already in God because I'm in the Father, which means I'm all right. And if I'm in the Father, he's taking care of everything. I am in him. He is in me. We are one. All of a sudden, I was being built back up again. But there was still that one last thing when I looked. And we'll tell this some other day in deep detail. It's pretty awesome. But there was this one thing. I had all these prophetic words about music and prophetic words about my life and who I was going to be with my purpose. And I'm looking around like, I, I had these keys. I don't, I don't know where I left. I don't know where they are. I don't know where they are. What are those keys? And while I was there, you were there, <laughs> they kept telling, things started to open up. God started to remind me, hey, I haven't forgotten about you. You have been a good steward because you keep loving me. You kept staying in there. And he kept saying, when you should have jumped, when you should have left, you stayed. And he started to open up doors and open up doors and open up doors. And this is where I'm going to close it up. I was opening up doors. And sure enough, I end up in a place in Nashville. And the Lord literally says through someone else's mouth, we need you. And it just hit me what my purpose was and how 
whether writing or being with people, I felt my purpose. And I literally remember these words. And this goes back to what we were saying earlier. The day came where I felt the Lord say, you got to go do those things. And of course, my family already knows, you know, they're like, you're going to do that. You got to do this. And I'm like, shut up, you know, <laughs> not doing it. Um, but, um, but here's the best part. The third party came through so big and he did it in a miracle, impossible way. I knew I was supposed to be in Nashville writing and being a part of these people's lives every month. I just knew it. God was like, you got to do it. This is what you're going to do. And I was like, that's awesome. And then one night I'm on the phone with my mom and I'm talking to her and I'm like, it's impossible. We're going to get two, three grand a month. What are we talking about? To go there, stay in a hotel, do the writing. That's ridiculous. That's impossible. That's crazy talk. What are you nuts? You know what I'm saying? Like that's impossible. Impossible. Well, I said those words on the phone. I said, mom, listen, this, I know this is what I'm supposed to do. I know God has this for me. He's brought me from there to here. Look how much he's healed me. And, and I know now that I'm healed, he wants to take me this place. But now I feel like I just got to shut it down again because it's impossible. Look at the amount of money it would take just in the natural for me to do what he called me to do. And my mom said, last time I checked, if God says it, he does it. That's an Italian for me from a boat. Yeah, you want something, you know, that's my mom. And I said, oh, okay. I said, mom, it's impossible. She said, well, God said he'll do it. I show up to the first service back when I got back, back home here. And I'm standing right here. Service ends. I turn and there's this little lady. This little lady turns to me and says, I've been praying for you ever since you left for New York. She goes, God, show me everything you've been going through. I've been there with myself and I've been praying for you. And he also told me that I'm supposed to be a resource to you to go from here to there to fulfill your purpose. I said, what'd you just say to me? What'd you just say to me, woman? You know, who put you up to this? Um, God put her up to it. You know what I'm saying? That was impossible. It was impossible for me to feel like the man that I was. God did it. It was impossible for me to feel like I was worthy. It was impossible for me to want to live again. And it was impossible for me to see any of the prophetic words and all the things he promised me to happen. God swung through, he rescued me, and he just went, let me get all of that for you. So if that's you, trust me when I tell you, he'll do what he says he'll do. He loves you more than you'll ever know. He hasn't forgotten the things. He, just, he knows where your keys are. I didn't know where my keys were. He knows exactly where they are. And he's going to find him at the right time. He's going to surround you with people that have so many boats for you. They're going to keep giving you boats and keep giving you boats and keep giving you boats until you're rescued. God loves you. Hallelujah. Let's all stand. Let's all stand. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Janelle, would you just come? Yeah, I'm going to have Janelle... I'm going to have Janelle just pray for us. I want us to lift our hands this morning because I know that, you know, I'm, we're not naive to know that there's some of you that right now that feel like you're in the pit, that feel like the darkness is around you, that you're surrounded, that there's no way out, the anxiety, the, the stress. You, you felt like you were maybe in some of the before parts of some of these testimonies. And... Um, I want you right now just to engage your faith, just to grab a hold like that woman with the issue of blood who pressed through the crowd said, just if I can just grab a hem, the hem of his garment, I could be made whole. 
And so this morning, would you just grab a hold of, of something, of, 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 of hope, of one of these testimonies, which was prophesying to you that Jesus can do this for you too. That he can do this for you too. That that addiction that you're dealing with, it can be broken in the name of Jesus. Some of you, it's just getting out. It's it's literally, you're like, well, it, it, it's, it's dormant. This thing is dormant. I haven't dealt with it for a long time. I would still like to go to my grave without anybody knowing. Listen, that thing, like Tiffany said, will follow you. And it will manifest itself in ways and you might have not even put two and two together yet, but it will manifest itself in ways because it's trying to protect itself. It's trying to protect itself from being from being exposed. And, and so what we what we have to do is we have to expose it and bring it into the light and let God completely heal. So not just so you're healed, but so there's there's victory. There's victory. And then God can use you to help others. He is because because he who has been forgiven much loves much and wants to see other people set free. So I'm I'm just asking right now that you would grab a hold of this in faith. And Janelle's going to pray right now, and then and then we're going to be be released to, to go. But I here, here's here's what I, I just I warn I warn you right now. This is just a warning. Don't check out. <laughs> Don't say, don't say this isn't for me. Don't say this isn't my time. Don't say God, God is skipping over me today. No, this is for you today. This is for you today. And in fact, I want to, we had so many people talk about the spirit of suicide. If, if you are dealing with any spirit of suicide, we take authority over that right now in the name of Jesus. We call out that thing. We call out that spirit. We say, you will have, no, you have no authority in the minds of these believers. You have no authority, Father, in our mind, our will, our emotions, our destiny, our freedom, our future, our children. Spirit of suicide, you have to go. Spirit of death, you have to go right now in the name of Jesus. Jesus, you are here to rescue, to give life and life more abundantly in the name of Jesus. And we thank you for it right now. Yeah, I want to stay right here because I see this intimate moment. Some of you have seen that picture where there's like a little boy with a with a teddy bear that he doesn't want to give his teddy bear over. And Jesus is standing there with this huge teddy bear. And if only you would just exchange. And I see this moment right now. Just keep your eyes closed. I see this moment of exchange taking place. And it's, it's a repenting too. And so it's going to be individual for each one of you of just exchanging, exchanging even just the grief. I see some of you just that you haven't allowed yourself even to grieve, like like what Brant was talking about. Grieve the, the hopes, the dreams, the words that you thought would have come to pass. And right now you're just going to hand over those what ifs. What if life would have looked differently? What if handing over your past, handing over the, the alcoholism, handing over the addiction, handing over the pornography that you've looked at just last night, you're handing it over saying, God, I don't want this anymore. And as you hand it over, he's such a good father. And he comes and he makes this beautiful exchange right now. Get out of your mind. Get out of your mind of what this even looks like. How am I even going to walk this out? I've done this before. Nope. Right now, you just get to lay it at the feet of Jesus. That's your only job right now. 
God, I repent. I repent for agreeing with the Jezebel spirit. God, I repent for that abortion that I had. God, I repent for exploring with my friend when I was a young kid. God, I repent for living according to laws and standards and rules than living by your spirit, for holding those rules in legalistic ways higher than you, Jesus. God, I repent. And I lay that at the foot of your cross right now. Now I want you to see, I believe every person here has something right now that they are putting at the foot of the cross. Every person, we never arrive. Now I want you to see that, that sitting there. And I want, I want you to first make sure that you've taken your hands off. When you're ready, take your hands off. Now I want you to see as you take your hands off, what Jesus does with that. Some of it will just disappear. Some of it you'll see the blood. Just cover it. Some of it's even your own mind and the blood's just covering over that right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Even the grief, even the emotions that you put before him. Thank you, God, that your word speaks a better word over our lives. Thank you, God, that you have set us free, God. Thank you, God, that you paid the, the great price for freedom. God, and we take hold of the exchange. We take hold of what it is that you paid for already for us. And we want to walk in the fullness of who you created us to be. No longer standing on one side or the other, but we choose life. We choose to walk down the path of life and life abundantly. Though we don't know what it looks like, we lean upon you, Lord. We don't lean upon our own understanding, but we trust you in all of our ways. So, Lord, I thank you. I thank you for every single one of your sons and daughters in here, God. I thank you for awakening us today of the freedom that you paid for. I thank you, God, for encouragement. As you guys heard up here, one word of encouragement can carry someone through that hard season. So God, may we be a church of encouraging words. May we be a church that texts someone and just says, you are loved. May we be a church that speaks identity and truth to one another at all times. And so, Lord, I bless your sons and daughters today. I bless that every single person in here has a testimony and that they're going to be a voice of truth today, this week, throughout their week, that there's going to be an opportunity for them to share their testimony. That this just unlocked, it unlocked the voices of every single son and daughter in this room to go out and be a voice of truth across this city. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Collective Church Podcast. To find out more, visit thecollectivechurch.com.